When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Yeah, I think a lot of ways. I mean, I think he's he's more comfortable offensively making plays for other people. Uh, defensively, he's made gigantic strides. Uh, and, you know, last year he was the new starter to four returning starters. So I think he, he really walked a fine line of leadership last year. He didn't want to overstep his bounds, I think, since he was a new guy and maybe tried too hard to fit in. Uh, this year, he's really taken the bull by the horns and has, has been a great leader. And, you know, the rebounding numbers, the assist numbers, are, you know, he does he does everything for our team. And it's, uh, it's he's been absolutely a pleasure to coach. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We're brought to you by our friends at Warhorse Sportsbook. It is that time of year, the Warhorse Festival of Games. You can enter to win the Festival of Games Prop Card Challenge for your chance at $100,000. It's free to participate for Warhorse Rewards members. The $100,000 Prop Card Challenge is for the big football game in February. Just make some simple predictions about the game to be eligible to win. Super easy questions like which team will score the first touchdowns. If you're familiar with prop bets, you know how this works for that big game in February. You answer some of those on the prop card for your chance to win $100,000. There's an additional grand prize drawing for $20,000 in cash and free slot play at Warhorse Casino in Lincoln as well. That is a really important distinction. You have to go to the casino in Lincoln to be part of the Festival of Games uh, prop card challenge or the grand prize drawing so make sure you head down to warhorse casino in lincoln for that or if you just want to place your regular bets you can go to the casino in lincoln or you can go to horseman's park in omaha where you can always place your bets i know that's where andrew's going to go this weekend he's got to hang out with his dog for a little bit i think he might just go to the to the horseman's park and play some bets <laughs> for a few hours watch some games you think yeah. they'll let my dog in uh, listen does we, she need an id well are you guys going she's in dog years i mean she's well over yeah 21 i think as long as she's got an id she's yeah. fine yeah you'll be all right yeah <laughs> That's, I think the DMV gave me one. I'll have to search for it. <laughs> That's the Warhorse Sportsbook. No bets, no glory. Joining us now on that Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is our friend Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Matty, how are you this morning? Good morning, fellas. How are you guys? What's up, Matt? 
we're just doing dandy. We're having a good time here on a Friday. Uh, how is – did you have to wake up for us? How's your morning going? I mean, it's 8 in the morning, so, yeah, I had to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, we've been up for three hours, man. Come on. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure for the audience, like, yeah, we're doing this live. Um, yeah, so <laughs> – well, I, I, got, I took a shower for the radio bit. Yeah, that, that's, you know, something fresh and clean for you guys. I don't know if that helps the quality of the conversation, but I thought it, it might. You, it, know? you know what? I can smell you through the phone and you smell great. Like, yeah, I didn't just go out of bed for you guys. You know, I, I got serious about it. I'm not going to lie. Every once in a while, when I've had morning show spots to do before I was doing this, uh, I would be woken up by the phone call. So uh, you're you're ahead of me. <laughs> you're ahead of the curve <laughs> on me for that one. Um how was your holidays, Matt? Do you have good holidays? Yeah, it was good. You know, uh, I like the the break is kind of nice in between everything because it's like it serves as a reset when you go from like soccer to volleyball to basketball and then all at once. And then that break is kind of like a – to me it symbolizes like the start of basketball season because it's the only thing left for the next two months. So, yeah, I'm ready to rock. So, Matt, before – uh, you know, it was good. It was uh, pretty low-key just uh, hanging out with the fam. I know Andrew got to go back to St. Louis for a, a nice extended break there. So um, we had a, a – Louis. Yeah, yep. St. Saint Louis. Mm-hmm. The, Saint STL. the St. Lunatics, right? No, no. No, not not, not Nelly? No. no. Okay, fine. Nelly, Nelly. I was a big Nelly guy back in the day. Um <laughs> Same, same. Yeah, that's kind of our wheelhouse, like our age range, Matt. That's like Nelly yeah. was Nelly was the dude. Um, but, so but, hot but, in. Uh, oh yeah, I was yeah, a, I was a big shake your tail feather guy. First unedited Ooh, rap good. album. First unedited rap album. Oh, that's really. like a really was yeah, that's like a that's a milestone. So I got a fun a yeah. funny story for you guys quickly here about Nelly. Nelly originally got started at UPS. That's where his mm-hmm. like first job was. Uh, I've and heard this. My. A former teacher of my, my chemistry teacher in high school used to work at UPS and was his manager. <laughs> and he said, like, Nelly would be on the back of, like, trucks loading boxes with earbuds in mm-hmm. and just spitting lyrics to instrumentals. Just, like, freestyling? Just, yeah, just in his ear. Like, he's doing it, but he's spitting out loud as he's loading boxes. That's crazy. I would love not to. to <laughs> go ahead. Not to brain on that at all, but I've worked with plenty of guys who have done that, too, who didn't turn into Nelly, so... <laughs> Hey, how many end up like Nelly, though? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I, I've, I've done the manual labor thing before, and a lot of the guys are trying to get their mixtapes going. In their, their <laughs> Let's just say he wasn't at UPS very long. <laughs> yeah, you just look like, them around because you're like, hey, you might turn into something. And I'll be like, hey, to say, yeah, that dude, I, remember, I saw the beginning, you know, but I haven't, I haven't met my Nelly, yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> One of these days, you'll meet your uh, you'll meet your Nelly. Um, <laughs> probably not, if I had to guess. Doubtful, <laughs> huh? Writing for the White and Blue Review. Some guys just over here just spitting lyrics. Joe, Joey yeah. Tempo. I if he's gonna be Nelly. Joey Tempo's got bars, baby. <laughs> Matt's like, yeah, our former writer Jack Harlow. <laughs> Uh, actually, it was Ed Sheeran, weirdly enough. I don't know I don't know if he's really spitting rap lyrics. He tries sometimes. It's funny. He kind of gets close. Castle on the Hill, right? Um, I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking with Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Uh, Matt, let's start with the uh, women's game just real quickly. Um, I know that there's always a lot of hype on this game for UConn when they come to Sokol Arena. And the last few times the result has been – uh, obviously not what 
Creighton has wanted. Ironically enough, Creighton's played UConn much better in stores the last couple of years than they have at DJ Sokol. Um, I guess what, how much of this do you just credit to, hey, UConn's really good, Paige Beckers is awesome. Like, how much do you credit it to that, and how much, like, how much of it's on Creighton for not being able to answer the bell? Uh, there's quite a bit of everything there. I mean, UConn's really good. Paige Beckers is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, even even more so now after seeing the way she impacts the game in person mm-hmm. and the speed at which she does it. Like, I, it, when you see someone that plays that fast and, and you know, is that skillful and they do it in an efficient manner um, at this stage of their career, like, it's pretty impressive to watch. So, yeah, Paige is different. She might, you know, might be the best player that's ever walked in that gym, honestly. Like, Which is a done. pretty high bar. <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah, there have been some, yeah. yeah there, I, I know people are thinking, well, I mean, it's Creighton plays there. But, like, there's been some, you know, legendary hoopers that have played in that gym. So she's, you know, she's a... Uh, She's got a high bar to clear, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, what you saw the other night was, was pretty special stuff in terms of the things she did on the floor and the way she impacted the game. And just the, she doesn't make mistakes. It's like crazy. She's like, she's a, she's a overwhelmingly net positive for, for UConn, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of it is like, yeah, Creighton played terrible. I mean, just didn't do any of the things that they need to do to beat a team like that. Um, it's not. It wasn't just about shots not falling or, you know, the type of shots they got. It was just, you know, the attention to detail with, uh, you know, communication offensively and defensively, um, attention to detail and scouting report things. And, um, yeah, it was just a complete debacle. And, you know, props to Flan because, like, he doesn't he, – he tried to send a message to them that that was unacceptable, you know, and it, and it – and it got really, really ugly in terms of the final score, which which dinged their metrics quite a bit mm-hmm. more than like a twenty point loss or a twenty five point loss would have. And if they had scored more, you know. Um, but he, he pulled the he pulled the starters and you know kind of sent a message that 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 I'm not going to play you through that type of performance anymore. Um, so I think they were worried about some of the habits that were creeping up. Mm-hmm. But it was tough because they were winning games. They were finding a way to get it done. So it's kind of tough to, I guess, get that message across when a team is having success um, on the scoreboard. Um, hopefully, I think the hope for him now is that, you know, getting 40 pieces in your own gym when you feel like you went into the game with a chance to win it. Like that's when you feel like you're going into the game and it's, it's, you, you, you believe that you are good enough to win the game and you lose by 40 plus. Mm-hmm. That's kind of eye-opening for you, right, as a competitor. So, um, you know, Lauren Jensen said it hurt her pride to be out-hustled to the degree that they were by UConn after the game. So um, it served as a bit of a reset in terms of the things that Creighton's doing that just, you know, aren't top-of-the-line stat sheet specific. So we'll we'll see how they bounce back from that and how they grow from that because they're definitely, definitely better than minus 44 versus UConn, even as good as UConn is. Matt, is Gina Oriema the best coach you've seen in person? Uh, that's a good question. So I've seen I've seen Coach K and Bill Self swear off like so that's pretty high on the men's side, I think. Um, yeah, it's about as good as it gets on the men's side. I mean, we've seen Jay Wright a bunch. Yeah. Who? Yeah, we've seen Jay. I, I'll, Jay I'll, I'll take Jay Wright over just about anybody 
Um, yeah. Gino's different. I'll tell you, he's very unique. Um, his, you know, his his pressers are very unique. He's very, very thoughtful and thorough in his answers. They, I mean, for his, for his, uh, I'm on the word here now, for his, uh, detailed as Flan is with his answers and making sure he kind of covers every ground of the question. Mm-hmm. You know, Gino's a lot like that too, which is rare. Like most coaches are, most coaches just try to say less and be a little bit cookie cutter about their answers and get in and get out. Um, you know, Flan and Gino for specifically are not like that. So he's very thoughtful. He's very, you know, introspective. Um, and, and then obviously the results are, in a one-of-one one type of category. You know, just the way he the way he coaches, he coaches really hard, too. Like, I mean, he gets after his players, like, the for just the simple details throughout a game, you know. Execution stuff is big with him. Um, so you see him kind of harping on those constantly throughout a game, no matter what the margin of um, score is, you know. So that's, that's impressive to me because his process, I can tell by his demeanor on the sidelines, that his process is like that pursuit of perfection, and you can see why they've been as good as they've been over the course of his coaching career. Um, because he doesn't he doesn't allow for slippage, even no matter if you're if they're up by thirty, he'll coach them. If you're watching him, you can't tell what the score is basically, and I think that's kind of the the, the part of the secret to their success is that he just doesn't he doesn't take the foot off the gas in terms of you know, how how he holds his players accountable, whether it's the best player or or not. Matt, uh, quickly before we change gears to the men's side, you just spoke about the impact that a player like Paige Beckers has just on, um, like, the, the fan community as a whole for women's basketball. And then just yesterday you see NCAA and ESPN renew their contract of – um, an eight-year agreement, $920 million to host 40 championships. But a big piece of that was women's basketball. I think a big percentage, like close to like 57% of that deal had to do with women's basketball. Does that deal happen without players like Becker and Clark and Reese in today's day and age? Mm, probably not, no. I mean, honestly, you guys might have to cut me off on this topic because I'm going to go off here. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 long, it's, long, it's a long time coming for this. You know, and and some of us saw it, you know, before this wave, really. And I don't know who deserves kind of the most credit for it. I want to say, like, Caitlin Clark has changed it to a large degree. But, you know, Paige Beckers was one of those players coming out of high school, like, number one player in the country in her Mm -hmm. class. Um, The injuries derailed her springboard. But even when you look at her body of work so far like she's already had some legendary performances that you know that I know garnered a lot of attention that garnered a lot of buzz and you know made you say wow I mean that NC State Elite Eight game she was just I mean that's one of the best individual performances in an NCAA tournament on the men or women's side I mean it, it, it was like it was Steph Curry-esque you know what I mean the way he took over for Davidson back in the day like mm-hmm. she just was unstoppable. She got to every spot she wanted, hit big shots time and time again. Um, and so that was kind of like a glimpse of what she's capable of. And, you know, we're starting to see it now in a more consistent day-to-day manner now that she's healthy again. And knock on wood, she stays that way because she's fun to watch. But, 
I mean, you see the other night, and Caitlin, like, she's not having a super great game, you know, and but it's one of those things where, you know, you know, everyone in the arena knows who's about to get the ball here. Everyone in the arena knows what she's going to do with it, and including the opponent, and they defend it well, and they and she still goes cash money from the logo, you know. Um, <laughs> just, just an incredible player, an incredible performer, just understands the moment and understands that her, her role in, in elevating not just her own individual career, but, you know, the careers of everyone who's going to follow her. And, I mean, they're not – yeah, I mean, it, it obviously is a big part of it from the women's basketball side, player-driven stardom. I think the volleyball part of it is just the athleticism you see. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting to, like, open their eyes to just – what high-level volleyball looks like in this country at the college level is pretty incredible. Um, because, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like you're watching high-level athletes. It doesn't feel like you're just – because I think a lot of the pushback on women's sports is just, yeah, okay, you know, it's kind of just a Title IX balancer for overinflated football rosters and resources. Like, you have to balance it out. And, you know, we're kind of like – yeah, we're giving the women the chance to kind of play sports, and it's nice and everything, but it's not really a major sport in this country. And I think that's changing. Like, I think it's hard to be honest with yourself if you actually sit down and watch these sports and watch these athletes and and watch the competition level that you're seeing in front of your eyes and say that this isn't legitimately high level as high level as football or basketball is in this country. So, you know... It's a long time coming, but I, I think it's just—I still think it's just the tip of the iceberg, honestly, because um, it's just—you know—it's—it's it's infectious. You see it, and then you kind of get a reaction from it. And I think the thing that's been crazy about this last wave of it, this last year or two, is that it doesn't just die off when the season ends. It—it it keeps going, like into the office. I mean, we've got Texas and Nebraska fans just like all over each other, and we're in January now <laughs> on volleyball stuff. You know what I mean? Just petty volleyball recruiting stuff. Yeah. That's that's the kind of conversation and the vitriol that you get with, like, football and basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't usually – usually what volleyball has done is, like, you talk about it in December, and then before Christmas, it's out of your mind and out of your conversation. Like, we're now we're into January now. We're still – talking about volleyball and talking about next year and talking about the future and talking about the past like it's it, yeah it's just, it's booming right now and it's not going to slow down I don't I think it's just the tip of the iceberg all right Matt let's switch gears over to the men's side they've got a big... I told you you to cut me off <laughs> no it's a great well, answer yeah, we're not cutting that yeah, off you were rolling I wasn't I had no interest in cutting that off um we do only have about five minutes left with you though so I do want to get I, over I, to the uh, men's matchup against Providence tomorrow. Obviously, Providence dealing with a huge injury uh, to their star Bryce Hopkins out for the rest of the season. Creighton dealing with their own struggles, although not to that degree, just in their term in terms of how they're playing right now. Um, I, I haven't loved what I saw from them for the last two and a half games. It looked pretty good at the start of the second half against Georgetown, but for a lot of Villanova and a lot of Marquette, at least on the offensive side of the ball, um, and sometimes on defense as well, haven't really been in love with what I've been seeing. How have you uh, evaluated and kind of graded this team through the first three Big East Conference games? Yeah, I think it's just uh, a little bit of that, you know, up and down, figuring out 
I mean, I think they know who they are. I just think it, 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 it comes and goes sometimes in terms of the level that they're executing it at. Uh, you know, I mean, when, you, when you're incorporating, you know, when you lose, a, like, a Ryan Emhart and Arthur Kaluma, like, those are two big pieces to their run last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, Mason Miller has had has a lot of experience in terms of his years in the program, but not a lot of experience playing this role that he's had. So it's an adjustment for him in terms of play-to-play consistency and being at the at the at the proper like intensity level that you need to be every single possession when you're out there. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Ashworth is coming up a level, I guess you would say. Not, I mean, I, I think the Mountain West plays has really good teams in it, but I think it's just a different level of intensity with Big East games. I don't know. I can't really explain it in any other way, and I know it would piss a lot of people off if they're in the Mountain West and listen to that. But I mean, I mean the like, Big I East is like... better than the Mountain West. That's not a hot take. Like, the Mountain West is, an, is a really good conference, but the Big East yeah. is better than the Mountain West. That, that's not a crazy I, take. It, yeah, it's not crazy, but I think that, like, his, some, of, some of the things that he did well in the Mountain West should translate to the Big East. It just hasn't yet. Yeah. And you know, you know the thing, too, is I think it just takes time, especially the, the – the more important your position, the longer it takes to kind of get your feel for it. I mean, I think you, we would all agree that Baylor Shireman is playing better across the board than he did last year. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, we've seen the same, I think, a little bit when you look at, like, for example, um, like Tyler Kolick, his first year with Marquette two years ago, just two years ago, was, was unplayable at times. Very bad. You know what I mean? Very, very bad. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, he shot around 30% from the floor, which is horrible, and as especially as a primary point guard. And, you know, now we think about him as the best point guard in the country, you know, if not top three, right? Like, so it just takes – there's there's an adjustment phase right here that it just – it doesn't come right away for everybody, you know? And I think that's what we're seeing with Ashworth, especially in terms of his shot making because, you know, I think there's just a little bit of a timing aspect to it, like, because he's missing – open shots at a higher rate than he missed them, you know, in his career. And you're thinking, well, they're open shots, so what's the difference? Well, I mean, the difference is the timing is just, like, closeouts are faster, harder. There's a longer, more physical athlete both knocking you around and coming at you on the shot. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, it's the timing is different, and you're not he's not as comfortable probably as, as he was, you know, last year. So that's a little bit of adjustment. But I think there's other things that are happening that are good. You know, his assist turnover ratio is really good. His pace is really good. I think you can see that his impact, you know, is is good enough for Creighton to be an elite team. Um, it's just about putting it all together in terms of the shot-making and the facilitating, and I think that will come eventually because I think he's getting the shots that he should be getting in this offense. Um, it's all about just knocking them down. And, you know, what tomorrow represents, just to wrap it all up and so you don't have to ask a follow-up, like... <laughs> Which was going to be my <laughs> follow-up. <laughs> Sorry. Just run out the clock, Maddie. You're all good. (laughs) Yeah, Providence is like, Providence is going to have a little bit of an identity crisis tomorrow. And it's going to be, it's advantageous for them in this this sense. Creighton doesn't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Creighton have a plan for what they're, how they're going to come out and how they're going to approach the game and how they're going to look without Bryce Hopkins. But they don't truly have a feel for it and they can't truly prepare for it. So Providence has an advantage there. Where they have a disadvantage is obviously Bryce Hopkins is a stud, and when you look at their on-off splits in terms of their, you know, 
per 100 possessions. It's, it's, it's a nightmare difference for them. So they have to shore up a lot of deficiencies that aren't going to be replaceable by plugging someone else into the lineup. So they need someone to step up. And I don't think it needs to be one person. I think it needs to be – I think one person needs to play better than they've play, been playing so far this season. When you look at, like, you know, a Corey Floyd or uh, Rafael Castro um, or a ticket Gaines, you know, one of those guys needs to be dramatically more consistent than they've been so far this season. And then everyone else that's kind of been dependable for them so far this year just needs to be, like, incrementally better. Um, you know, a few, a few percentage points. That's our friend Matt D. Marinas from the White and Blue Review. His phone apparently was telling him that it's time to go also. It's cutting out there at the end. Uh, Matty, we appreciate your time as always, and I'm sure we will catch up with you again soon. Yep, he's gone. It's fine. Uh, that's <laughs> Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Coming up next, it's uh, time to get into NFL silly season a little bit. We got playoff pictures. We got Coach Hot Seats. Who's still on the hot seat? Who maybe coached their way off of it as well? All that and more coming up next on Herd Sports Radio. <laughs> 